1: Welcome back to another episode of Kramer Financial Talk. My name is Jim Kramer with Kramer Investment Services. If you'd like to hear more information about what you hear during our podcast today, for callers in Wisconsin, our Lake Geneva phone number is 262-729-4128. For callers in Illinois, our McHenry office number is 815-331-8096. Feel free to visit us on our website, www. Services.com. that's spelled k-r-a-m-e-r and for subscribers to apple podcasts or spotify you can view any of our past podcasts that we've done feel free to reach out with us there's if you have questions or if you'd like to set up a face-to-face meeting we're here to help we want to be able to help you with your retirement needs so our topic today is going to be on stocks and the economy. Uh, but before we do so, I want to introduce to you my my co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great.
0: I'm excited about the show, Stocks and the Economy, uh, looking at the markets a little bit and where we're headed, because there's a lot going on out there. But I have had a good week. I got to see my parents this past weekend, and then this week's been really busy. How about you? What have you been up to?
1: Oh, it's been busy with work. Um, unfortunately, I had to do a bit of work this weekend and then uh, do some home improvements at my house over the oh, weekend. Oh, you so labor. busy. Yeah, and plus I'm trying to train my puppy with an electric fence, so that's oh, been boy. a bit of a strain. And she's an animal. I mean, obviously she's an animal, but she, she, walked, like, she walked clear through the electric fence and acted oh, like sure. it had no, no bearing Effect. on her. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to jack up the shock uh, oh, an extra notch for her yeah. just to make sure she doesn't do that again.
0: Yeah, the invisible fencing. I, I've always been a little skeptical of it. Um, but, uh, I guess it works really, I, I know neighbors, uh, a neighbor a couple blocks away has one and swears by it. We, we just put up a chain link fence in our backyard and, and so, uh, that keeps the dogs in. So that's good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, neighbors out dogs in kind of how we know yeah, how right. exactly. So that's, that's good. <laughs> All uh, right. But, uh, that sounds like you've been keeping busy now, uh, explain to me and our listeners out there, what we're talking about today.
1: Well, today is going to be about, you know, what could happen with the stock market, given a number of different things, as we're seeing, happen right now in the economy. Sure. Speaking of the stock market. There you go. Okay, so yes. We we might as well fire up the opening bell. Yeah, I want to go over, you know, how have stocks been performing up to this point so far? Well, for year to date, the S&P 500 is up about 12%, which is, That's a really good number so far and the Dow Jones is doing the best of all the major indices in the United States. It's up 16% year to date and then the NASDAQ is up about 4% year to date. So NASDAQ, the NASDAQ stock exchange had a tremendous 2020. It's behind the curb so far year to date. Uh, A couple of reasons for that is one could be that the momentum of internet stocks kind of is kind of faded somewhat as the pandemic is starting to to loosen, and also interest rates, as we're going to talk about, is starting to creep up, and that's had a greater effect on the Nasdaq-oriented stocks as opposed to some of the more traditional S and P 500 and Dow Jones stocks. Um, but last week was a really a clear indication to me of certain signs that we're starting to see. That was on yeah. Monday through Wednesday. We saw the S and P 500 and the Dow Jones drop three percent. From Monday through Wednesday, and the NASDAQ dropped 5%. And the NASDAQ pretty much stayed exactly where it was uh, middle of the week through the end of the week, ending about 5% down. Whereas we saw the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ kind of come back, but it was still down about 1% over the course of the week. Now today it's down as well, but there was some news that came out that caused me to want to do this podcast today, Tony. And what's that? Well, it's, it has to deal with this unemployment benefit within the American mm. Rescue Plan. Yeah. Now, usually when I do these podcasts, Tony, I I don't like to get into politics. Politics is never a good indicator with how the stock market is going to do, and I would say sure. never. But most of the time, it doesn't have an effect. But yeah, something you like don't this, want,
0: So you don't want your you don't want politics to drive your financial strategy or financial. No, and that's investment.
1: a that's a definite strategy. I've told people over the, as long as I've been doing this. Don't sure. allow your political beliefs to get into get mixed into how you invest. However, there is right. something going on right now. It could be very temporary. It might have a very temporary down uh, effect negatively, but there's this unemployment benefit within the American Rescue Plan. I want to spend a little bit of time going over today.
0: Okay, that sounds really good. So uh, what is that? What is going on that uh, might affect things for okay, us so, is affecting
1: Well, First thing is, let's talk about the unemployment rate in this country. Okay. So in at the end of March, we had an unemployment rate of 6%. And the expectation was at the end of April, we were going to see a significant downturn as the states are more and more opening up. Uh, with jobs that are opening up, there was a big expe- expectation that there was going to be close to a million jobs created in the month of April. But instead, only about a fourth of that occurred. Mm. You know, a little over 250,000 was actually created, which significantly disappointed uh, mm. economists expectations, but also the stock market, Tony, took a big dive, uh, you know, three to five percent depending upon where your money is in the stock market. And that uh, was a was a bit of a downer, obviously. And one of the things that we've seen was this American Rescue Plan, which, you know, I think there's a lot of good within this plan as far as stimulating the economy. So if our goal is to put money in the hands of consumers, this is this is the way you go about it. You you have uh, money coming from the federal government straight to individuals in the form of tax credits or Straight out, just being given money, in this situation, plus the unemployment benefit was enhanced, and this is where a key problem comes into play. You know, this isn't about uh, universal basic income. If you, you know, recall back during the presidential. Uh, election, there was this person named Andrew Yang, who was really the first presidential candidate to bring this up here in the United States. But we saw universal basic income uh, go into effect in a province in Canada, and we've seen it in various governments within Europe. And uh, it kind of failed in in the past, but it was brought up. And the the key difference between this is under universal basic income, you're given money to spend no matter if you're working or you're not. There's no disincentive per se to not to to work because you, if you work you're going to get additional money beyond your universal basic income but the problem with unemployment benefits if you make them too rich you're going to prevent individuals from being motivated enough to go back to work. So right. you have individuals that you know are typically in the lower wage area of the economy. They might not enjoy their jobs some of them some of them do and they might be more inclined to go back to work as opposed to take the unemployment benefits but as you know there's a lot of people in hourly wage industries that are not satisfied with their employment and if they have that option where they're getting about the same money as what they would have if they were working they're going to take that and that's what i think although i don't have all the data yet in front of me this is the one thing that i can look at and say all right this this American Rescue Plan, Tony, just came out in the middle of March. So this is the newest thing that come, that came out. And all of a sudden, we see um, a uh, negative performance to the economy. Whereas all the way up through uh, March, we were seeing good performance and, and a good leading uh, indicator was unemployment was going to go down to around 5% at the end of April, where instead it went up to 6.1%, which isn't terrible, but that's not good when we're trying to recover. Right.
0: Yeah, that isn't good. And, you know, I think that uh, maybe they gave, it sounds like maybe they gave too much of an incentive in the stimulus package, which has kept unemployment numbers uh, up. Instead of reducing them,
1: so the so back when we did our American Rescue Plan podcast, Tony, which was weeks ago, yeah, uh, the, the federal government was going to give individuals an additional $300 per week on top of the normal state's unemployment insurance, yeah, which is yep. typically around the state's unemployment insurance is somewhere around $250 to $300 a week, yeah, and so when you add that additional benefit on top of that, you're giving individuals, like, for example, in Wisconsin, an individual can earn $670 a week, which for a person that's working, let's say $15, you know, making $15 an hour, working 40 hours a week, you're actually getting less by working than if you stayed at home. Right. Now, last week, President Biden had mentioned that if somebody's offered a job, that they must take that job. But when you consider, Tony, that there's a lot of additional people that are on unemployment that traditionally would not have been, such as uh, self-employed individuals and 1099 contractors, which typically would not be included in unemployment insurance, you've got a lot of people out there, and you don't have that many additional resources at the unemployment office at the state of, uh, you know, state of Minnesota, state of Wisconsin, state of Illinois, where, where I reside, uh, that it's going to be really difficult to manage. And especially knowing that by the end of September, this is supposed to end. I just don't know what to, what resources these states are going to go to try to track down people that have been offered jobs and they're still on the, the government roll.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, so obviously, you know, there are concerns uh, about where the economy is headed and the six trillion dollars in stimulus that we've talked about on past shows, as you mentioned, uh, it, it does come into play. So, you know, there are decisions our government makes that can affect the economy and therefore the stock market as well. Uh, these are all great points. Uh, what do you have
1: next for us? What's another well, point? There's cu- a couple of like things I want to just bring up. Some statistics that we're seeing. Sure. One is the, uh, the labor force participation rate. So yep. the one thing is the unemployment rate amongst those that are looking for jobs, which right now is at 6.1%, which is almost double where it was pre-pandemic, uh, where it was a little over 3% at that point in time. But it's um, you know traditionally five percent is considered a, a healthy economy, so we're really not that far off from getting to a a good place. Um, but the participation rate is near a uh, 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 low going back to the nineteen seventies. Whereas back in the nineteen seventies, where there was a lot of stay-at-home moms, it was still that more traditional role that we saw in, in family life. They had about a sixty-one percent participation rate going back to nineteen seventy-six. Well, today we're at a 61% participation rate, whereas uh, leading up to the the pandemic, we were at about a 64% participation rate. And then the all-time high was around the year 2000, where we had about a 67% participation rate. So it's always been in the 60s, but we're on the low end here right now. So that is that there's a lot of people that are not working. And it could be just for various reasons, such as their kids, uh, because of you know kids being home, they've had to make some changes to their life. Um, that could be just the normal consequence of the pandemic. But then again, it could be for some other uh, underlying reasons where people just choose not to work right now, part of which could be they're just afraid of getting sick or you know perhaps they're receiving some other additional stimulus benefits that are are preventing them from wanting to get it back into the labor force. But that's one what's one thing it's a it's a concern still that's in our economy is, is the low participation we have. And then also, you know, we talked about government debt. Um this has not affected the stock market at all. Ever since I've been involved with um you know being an investment advisor, we've never seen debt really come to fruition where uh, it becomes a problem for the stock market. But that could be in a, in, an issue that comes up sooner rather than later. And that is because we're seeing a massive increase to our consumer debt just year over year. You know, a year ago, we were at about $24 trillion of overall government debt. And that's everything from the federal government. Today, we're at uh, $28 Trillion, we're a little over 28 trillion right now, and the expectation is we're going to have about 30 trillion in government debt by the end of this year, highest we've ever had. And then the same time, the, the revenues to the federal government, which dropped slightly in 2020 to below 21 trillion, 2019 was a banner year for uh, government revenues. we have never seen 21 trillion before, but it was just slightly over that in that year went a little bit down, but they're also expecting because of the stimulus plans that have uh, been spent out or sent out to individuals that we're going to have about a six to 8% growth to the economy. And I still believe we're going to have a high growth rate to the economy, which is positive, but that's only going to get us to between 22 trillion and 23 trillion in government revenue. So while the government revenues are going to be increasing the debt, is increasing at a far faster pace. And so this is gonna mean by the end of this year, we're gonna project between 130% to 140% debt to GDP ratio. The gross domestic product for audience members here is just the simplest explanation. It's the total value of goods and services produced and sold within the United States. Now there's other things that go into what makes up the GDP, but that's the simplest way explain it on our podcast and that is going to be the second highest we would ever have on record going back to 1942 which was totally explainable since so many of our uh, men and women were overseas fighting wars at that time so there wasn't a lot of production going on uh for goods and services other than war materials
0: interesting so that's a huge concern it is and, and,
1: and there's a reasons for that you know what what could what why is that bad you know that would be the next question what, why what does that mean to me as an individual yeah exactly you know when I listen to the newscast they talk about you know the stimulus plans they talked about the good of it but you know someone's got to pay for this and all the way up to this point we've had traditionally good uh, well financed, Uh, institutions, governments, uh, wealthy individuals that have come in and bought our debt regardless of how low the interest rates have been, because they feel that this is a safe place to store their money. But if we start to get to such a massive degree of debt, combined with the next topic I want to bring about, which is inflation, which we see rising at this point in time.
0: Yes, it is.
1: These individuals, institutions, and governments are probably... I would assume going to com- demand a higher interest rate in order to compensate them for the inflation that they now have to bear.
0: Yeah, in fact, the, the inflation is going crazy. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to rise, and therefore interest rates might have to rise, like you say. So, what about the inflation rate and interest rates? Let's talk about that a little. What What are your thoughts on that, and what do we need to to do to be prepared how's that going to affect us
1: yeah so the the consumer price index which you and i have talked about before i, I believe it's a very flawed model uh, it does an averaging approach for for uh energy and healthcare, which so it doesn't measure the actual adjustments month by month with uh those two because they the government years ago wanted to present to the public a more stable inflation rate and because of that that kind of skews things as we see the the big spike ups from month by month and there's other things that perhaps they don't include in it Uh, That's just my belief. That's not a that's nothing etched in in stone from Jim Cramer but year over year the consumer price index rose by 2.6 percent which is the highest it's done in a number of years um, wow! Before then, we were looking at you know just just recently, no more than a couple of months ago, they were saying that inflation was about 1.7 percent. Which right. at that time we were seeing rising prices going. Well, where are they getting that information from? That can't be possible. But at least that says that the government is acknowledging prices are rising. And no, most notably, we saw prices rise with food by three and a half percent over the last twelve months. Energy prices rose by 13% over that same period of time. So food and energy, according to the government, were the biggest contributors. But I would argue a lot of raw materials spiked up.
0: Well, yeah. How about lumber? Uh, exactly. The, it, it went up three hundred percent in some. Yes, cases. exactly.
1: So I again, we have to take what the with the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics say with when they measure the consumer price index with a grain of salt. But it's just giving you an idea that inflation's on the rise. So I think for investors now, they're going to command a higher interest rate, and we're starting to see it. We're seeing it with annuities. We're seeing it with some CDs. You know, for a lot of conservative investors, this is a quite a positive, but a lot of people are holding excess money in the stock market because they felt that they were not being reasonably Uh, compensated by leaving their money at the bank with fixed rates being so low. And as we see a rise in interest rates, that's one of the fears that we have of a downturn in the stock market is, hey, if interest rates rise, in one sense, that's a healthy thing. But because so many people are overpositioned in the stock market, and I've been doing seminars, Tony, for 13 years, year after year, the vast majority of people that come into my office after we do a risk tolerance quiz, we call it the color of Money risk analysis, we know so many people, especially nearing or in retirement, are over positioned, relying too much on stocks.
0: Well, yeah, and that's, that's true, too. You have to watch that. Obviously, the markets have been somewhat volatile lately, so I'm glad we're having this discussion now. A lot of people are wondering, and I know that's what you help your clients do, is to have strategies in place so they don't have to worry as much about uh, the markets, but yet uh, you stay on top of that for them and and talk to them about having a long-term strategy to deal with these ups and downs, right?
1: Yes, I do. So I, when I meet with people, I try to put together uh, a proactive plan. The last thing I wanna do for my clients is react to market effects. And when we do see, see trends, yes, that is alarming. Typically, you, we don't want to react too much to certain trends that we see because typically what goes around comes around and yeah not not to get too jumpy around but we are seeing some signs right now tony that are alarming there are positives as well you know it's not all doom and gloom what i'm talking about today it's merely here we're we're expecting an outcome and that outcome of a big strong 2021 could be jeopardized in part by this unemployment insurance so as we're as we're looking at putting together a plan, it, I think it is very important upon individuals to do a risk tolerance quiz with your financial services professional. We do this all the time with people that come to my office. I keep it regularly up to date to make sure I have a good pulse on what my uh, clients are comfortable with. And we put together a proactive plan, not a reactive plan. And I tell them, look, um, you know, some of this more safer money that you might want to have some of your money in based on your quiz score that you just did. Yeah, it's not going to perform as high in a good market as um, some of your more at risk money that we would potentially manage for you. Um, But you do this for the things that could go wrong and it could save your neck in a downturn, uh, especially when you're in retirement and pulling out a significant amount of money. And then we also look to other things, Tony's, including your income and retirement, what's your income needs. So we think long-term, And try to not focus so much on the short term. But, you know, we've had a hell of a ride with the stock market over the last 12 years, Tony. And now we're seeing seeing certain things. And the stock market, looking at its long-term history, it doesn't have these types of rides that go on for that much longer. Not to say, again, that this is what will happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen, not if. Um, But certainly when I see uh, the government take on this much of additional burden you know, kind of kind of going all in on uh this year and kind of preventing us from doing certain things in future years. If it doesn't go well, because let's say an unemployment benefit sort of usurped this growth that we're looking at, it's it's um it's like uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I hate to bring up your oh, your no. beloved Vikings. <laughs> oh, here. There we
0: go. Here we, uh, go. here we go. It's here sort of like go.
1: the the Minnesota Vikings being desperate. They want to get a quarterback, you know, to, to take on the Packers because they've been, you know, they've uh-huh. been picked on by the green and gold way too much. So, so they decide to go for the first pick in the NFL draft because they believe that quarterback is going to be great. So they give up all of their other selections in the draft, including in future years. And their hope is that player is going to be outstanding. But what if that player is a dud by once they get him out there and they realize, oh, boy, we made a big mistake? Well, they just given up a lot of resources for the yep. future. And that is, well, we don't, I'm not wishing this upon the Vikings at all. You know, you know that Tony, <laughs> I'm just saying I, well, I all I those Bears
0: wo- and Packers fans out there listening
1: I, are probably know, laughing it up. Well, right, and now. right. And the Bears sort of did that this year. Yeah, their draft, but not to get yep. not to get sidetracked. I I don't want the same. I don't want that to happen to our U.S. economy and our government. I I, right. I, I care for this country. I want this country yep. to succeed, and I also uh, don't want to see a lot of investors hurt through the stock market. So many of them are hoping for an outcome, and so far it's been it's been delivering good returns for people, and in the long run, it will. It's not a question of if it will, but there's downturns in retirement while you're pulling that money out. If you're suffering the losses, the sites, typical cycles of the market or a hard one because the government overextended itself, you could be put into a bad trap. And so part of why I wanted to do this podcast was to kind of show that typically there's not that relationship with stocks, politics and the economy. But here's where one thing came about where this unemployment benefit is incredibly expensive to the federal government. sure. And in my opinion, this is about as bad a benefit that they've ever done in the entire history of this country, which is a Mm. bold statement to say. But, you know, the the government, uh, we could say this, they've done a lot of dumb things over time. That's true. This is one that's intentionally harmful. Not to say that the people who came about and wrote this legislation you did this intentionally, they might have thought that, you know, everybody's going to have a good honor system. And, you know, if you have a job, you're going to take it. But the truth is individuals are, we're imperfect souls. And if we have an opportunity to stay home because we really don't want to work and we're given money to do that, well, that's what we're probably going to do. And so that's where I would urge people. Because right now we've got 17 uh, states that are going to be ending this program early because they realize this is a bad benefit. Uh, sixteens of those states are going to end this benefit in June at some point in time. Okay. And the state of Tennessee is going to end this in early July. That's not soon enough, in my opinion. These states should be ending this sure. now. Um, yeah. I would urge in you know, like in your state, Tony, gov- uh, your uh, governor will not change this benefit. In Wisconsin, same thing. And in Illinois, same thing. These benefits so far are going to go all the way through the end of September. But everybody listening here, I would urge you to call your state representative, your state senator, your governor's office, your congressman, your senators. Let them know that this is a bad idea. This is wasteful spending um, and that we need to end this benefit because this is harmful. This can even trickle all the way into the stock market because we're expecting employ- these these uh, stocks to have a huge year. Corporate earnings have to be up. You know, the stock market as judged by the PE ratio. That's the price per share of stocks on the stock market divided by the earnings per share. So we need that earnings number to come up. Right now we've got a PE ratio on the S&P 500 of 40 to 1. That means 40 times uh, the price is 40 times greater than the earnings per share of of their stock and that's at a that's not the highest of all time but that's right up there sure and just 2 years ago tony the pe ratio was half that number meaning that the earnings per share was much you know was much greater per share than what it is today so mm-hmm. there's a hope, and, and investors know that the stock market is overpriced right now, but they're sure. hoping corporate earnings comes through. One of the things that can usurp this is a uh, labor force that's sitting home.
0: Yep. And yeah, so that's and where so that, that could come in. Yep, that's a key element. Well, we're almost out of time. So uh, the the answer here is to work with a financial professional to get a strategy in place. And how can our listeners do that, Jim?
1: So any anybody can call our offices in Wisconsin. Our Lake Geneva number is 262-729-4128 in Illinois. Our McHenry office number is 815-331-8096. Feel free to call us if you just have questions or if you want to set up a face-to-face or even a Zoom meeting. We're happy to help you. Also, feel free to visit our website. You can do a risk tolerance quiz on our site. Uh, you can view our past podcasts. And again, uh, we're, we're here to help you. We enjoy what we do and um, we want to put you on the right path and do this on a proactive basis. So if things come up that are unpleasant, if that does come to pass, you would feel much better in knowing that your retirement is more secure. Right. Yeah, I think that's
0: important. Well, you know what? Great discussion today. So important to have a plan, have goals and have a financial strategy and a financial professional on your team. And Jim, that's where you come in. Uh, Again, great show, uh, uh, some concerns uh, looking ahead to the market, to the economy, uh, unemployment, interest rates, and inflation. All things that I'm glad you're keeping an eye on for us and that we all need to be aware of. Uh, But listeners, that does it for today's episode of Kramer Financial Talk with our host, Jim Kramer. Thank you for listening to Kramer Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jim Kramer at Kramer Investment Services. Call 262-729-4128 or visit them online at kramerfinancialtalk.com.